If you are following along in your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew 5. Um, We'll come back to the passage that was read by Mike later on in the lesson. Before I get started, I'd just like to to say it's good to be home. And, you know, when I say that, I don't mean, well, it's good to be back where I grew up and to see my, my family. What I really mean when I say that, it's good to be amongst you because, you know, you are my family. Um, my most important family that, that I have. And it's always good to, to be with you and to remember a lot of good old times that, that we've had together and, and just the, the joy that, that you all bring me. And, and even when I'm not here, I'm, I'm still thinking about you. I'm still praying about you, that, that your love for one another would continue to grow, your, your service for, for our Lord and, and towards one another would continue to grow also. So. It's good to, to see you once again. So this afternoon, I'd like us to consider one of the Beatitudes of Jesus um, in Matthew chapter 5. And this, this section of scripture is just, you know, man, I, how can you have such a powerful introduction to such a powerful sermon? I don't think any sermon I've ever heard you know, is as powerful as what, what Jesus gives in maybe a, a period of time of 15, 20 minutes. But it, it all begins with him right at the beginning setting the standard high as to the, the kind of character that God is going to bless. The, the type of character that those who are kingdom citizens are going to display in, in their lives. The, the verse I'd like for us to focus on today will be Matthew 5 and verse 6. And what Jesus says there in Matthew 5 and verse 6 is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And all my verses will be from the ESV, the English Standard Version, today. So I'd, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to pick this, this verse apart piece by piece um, and get some lessons from the passage that we can apply to our lives. And we'll talk about some specific application at the end of our lesson today. So first, let's think about this this idea of what it means to hunger and thirst. To hunger and thirst. Now, these words of Jesus are just so powerful. I I don't know about you, but whenever you think about hunger, what comes to mind? Or if you think about thirst, what may come to your mind? For me, when I think about hunger, I think about like even walking into the, the building here and on the way in I smell pizza. And guess what happens? My stomach starts growling. I'm, I'm getting hungry. Or if I think about thirst, I think about maybe taking a a 10, 15 minute bike ride and about that time in the ride, I'm starting to to get thirsty. I just need to grab my water bottle off the bike and and drink some. That's what I think about when I think about the words hunger and thirst. But the words that Jesus used here, what I count as hunger and thirst don't even come close to, to showing us what Jesus is talking about. I don't understand the hunger and thirst that Jesus is talking about here in regards to hunger. 
I, I don't remember the last time I went without a meal, let alone you know, just desperately needing food so bad or I just don't feel like I'm going to make it. Have you ever felt that? That's the kind of hunger that Jesus is talking about here. To go without food and just feeling this, this desperate need and craving for it. And when Jesus talks about thirst, he's not talking about just going out for the run or the bike ride and feeling thirsty. He's talking about this like, in drought-like conditions. That's what even his original readers or hearers would have understood whenever he talked about hunger and thirst. They understood those types of things. If there was a drought, how desperate were you for water? If there was a famine, how desperate would you be for food? Those are the words that Jesus is using here. That kind of force behind this language. Desperation, an intense craving for food, for water. It's this craving that becomes a, a pursuit in life. If you have that kind of hunger, what's going to be on your mind? What are you going to do? That type of hunger drives you to, to have that need met, to do whatever's in your power to do it. And even the tense here that Jesus uses in the Greek, I think, is important to take note of. There's a, maybe a couple, a few times a day, I'm hungry, quote-unquote. There's a few times a day I'm thirsty. But when Jesus talks about this intense hunger, this, this desperate thirst, he's talking about this in, in a present tense, kind of continuous kind of action. For God's kingdom citizens, they are continually hungering. They're continually thirsting for something. It's a daily pursuit. And what is it that they're hungering for? For righteousness. That is what God's people have this, this intense craving and, and hunger and thirst for. Now, this word righteousness is used by Jesus five times in the Sermon of the, on the Mount. Of course, one being here in verse, verse 6. And whenever we think about this concept of righteousness, I, I think there's really two main pictures I'm given to us in the, the New Testament. And the first one that comes to mind is one that Paul talks about a lot in his writings. Um, this, this righteousness, which, which is being declared to, to be right with God or justified in the sight of, of the Lord. And that happens whenever you have faith in Christ and, and God removes your, your sin from your account. We see that in Romans chapter 4. It's that type of righteousness that the Jews who, who Jesus talked to and Paul often talked to missed. They sought to gain another kind of righteousness for themselves, a righteousness by keeping the law instead of having faith, humble faith. But then there's a second idea or concept in regards to righteousness that it's something that is practiced. And I think most of the times when Jesus uses this word in the Sermon on the Mount, that it has given us that kind of, of idea. This idea of, of what the kingdom citizen, that the just practices, the right practices that he, he does. For the kingdom citizen, if their driving force in life 
is seeking God's ways, what are they going to do? If you hunger, you have that intense craving for righteousness, is it going to change something about you? Is it going to drive you to, to isn't it going to drive you to try to understand God's will and to let God's will change you, to lead you to, to live in his ways? Matthew 5 and, and verse 10, just a few verses later in the Beatitudes, it talk, Jesus talks about suffering for righteousness' sake. Now, it could be the case that he's talking about there that you're suffering be just because you're righteous, because you've had your sins forgiven. But it, it makes more sense to me that whenever he talks about suffering for righteousness' sake, that these people are doing things that upset people. That they're shining this bright light before the, the lost in this world, and because of it, the, they're just like, they're blinded by that light and kick back against God's people. They suffer for the sake of righteousness, for doing what is right. Also in verse 20 of, of Matthew 5, Jesus says this, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. Now, it would surprise me if the, most of those who listened to that, what Jesus said there, whenever they at least saw or considered the example of the Pharisees and the, the scribes, that they were like, what? <laughs> are, are you kidding me? That, I can't do that type of righteousness. These are good, holy, righteous men. But as you read later throughout the, the Gospel of Matthew, you, you see that that's not the case. Outwardly, they were practicing some righteous deeds. That, that is true. And people would have seen those righteous deeds and probably thought of them as righteous, God-fearing men. But really, nothing could be farther from the truth. Their intense craving was not for God's righteousness. It was to be able to have people look at them and glorify them instead of the Lord. It's different for God's people. It's different for God's people. When they hunger and thirst for righteousness, there isn't just a few commands that we're going to just, just want to get in, read those commands and do them. We see the whole buffet line of Scripture, and we want to please God so badly that we say, give it all to me. I want to do it all. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Does that describe us and our desire to be like the Lord? And if it is, and that's, that's the key word here, if. If we hunger and thirst for righteousness, there's a great blessing promised to us. A great blessing. Depending on your translation, Jesus says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied, or your version may say filled. What does that mean? I'd like to consider a, a couple other passages that, that use this word in, in the Greek. First, Matthew chapter 14, if you'd like to turn over there. 
Matthew chapter 14. I'd like to look specifically at verse 20. But just thinking about the context of this passage, you know, Jesus has all these crowds coming to, to him. And he shows great compassion on the crowds. Yeah, they're hungry. They'd been with Jesus for some time now and sought him, heard, wanted to hear him, maybe even see some of the wondrous things that they had heard about. But evening comes. Instead of sending the crowds away to get food, Jesus decides to, to show some compassion, to, to meet this need. He multiplies the, the fish, multiplies the loaves that were on hand. So this group of at least 5,000 people could eat. And the need is met so abundantly that there were leftovers. So it's in this context we have in, in verse 20. Matthew 14 and in verse 20 says, And they all ate and were satisfied. That's, that's our Greek word. They all ate and were satisfied or, or filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Uh, every time we, almost every time we see this idea of being satisfied in the New Testament, it is usually used in reference to food. It's usually used in reference to, to food, and I think that's obviously the case here in, in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 20, where the, the need is met so abundantly. These people are so filled that, that there was no need for anything else. I think we understand this idea. Yeah, who here likes to eat? You know, just picture yourself going into someone's house. Maybe you are invited somewhere for dinner. You walk in, the crock pot's been going most of the day. What's the first thing you do? Ah, oh, something smells good, right? You get hungry, your, you're just, your mouth starts watering, you want that. You sit down to eat, you eat, you eat. And you need to start deciding in, in your mind, should I keep eating this or should I wait for some of that dessert? So whatever decision you make, you, you, you fill up and just, can you recall that, that feeling that you have after you, every square little inch has been filled in, in your stomach. It's like, oh man, that was good. <laughs> that was good. I've had enough. I'm, I'm truly satisfied with what I was given. The hunger's gone. It's probably not coming back for a while. And that's, that's the kind of idea I think we're supposed to, to have come across for us in this idea of being satisfied. It's not just as we'll see that the need is met, but it's this, you know, this satisfaction, this you know, great you know, contentment and peace that, that comes over us because that need has been met so abundantly. Let's go ahead and consider um, James 2, James chapter 2. James chapter 2, and like I'll look at verses 15 and 16. In this passage, James is, is talking to um, Christians, possibly Jewish Christians, and trying to show them what it, what it means to, to have faith, a living faith, instead of a, a dead faith. Let's go ahead and read verses 15 and 16 of James chapter 2. 
James says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. You know, that's our, our Greek word for filled or, or satisfied. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So you, you do see a, a contrast really built in, in this passage. You see this idea of you have this brother or sister who is lacking. They clearly have a need. A daily necessity of food is, is not being met for them. You know, that's, that's the hunger that, that Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5. James shows them what the person is going to do that has faith. They're not going to say, go away, be warm, and be filled. What are they going to do? They're going to see the need, and just like Jesus in, in earlier in Matthew that we looked at, they're going to feel that compassion and do something to meet the need, to satisfy the need, to show generosity. It does really no good to say, you know, just Go, may your need be met. That's not faith, living faith. So you see in this, this, this verse, just this idea of what it means to be filled or to, to be satisfied. It's the, the need being met, doing what you can to, to show compassion, to help this person who has the, the need. So now let's apply that to, back to Matthew 5 and verse 6. What need is Jesus going to satisfy? I think first and foremost, what he is going to do is meet the greatest need that we have, the need that we were pursuing in the first place. If you hunger and thirst, you have that intense craving for righteousness, there should be no doubt in your mind that you're going to get a full stomach spiritually, that God is going to meet that need. You'll be abundantly taken care of spiritually. You'll gain the righteousness that you seek, not just the relationship with God, but also the, that growth practically in displaying righteousness and being more like the Lord. Once again, that, that promise is only to those who truly do hunger and thirst for righteousness. But I don't think it is only spiritually that he is talking about this. I think that's the most important part that we need to keep in mind. But isn't there also some type of physical blessing that comes whenever we practice righteousness? I believe the answer is yes. There's also a promise given to kingdom citizens that even their physical needs will be satisfied by the Lord. Matthew 6 and verse 33, that, which was read in the scripture reading, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If that's what you are doing, if you're devoted to seeking God's reign in your life, seeking to, to be like him in your life, that's what you put first and, and desire first. What else is included in that? And all these things that you would be worrying about, could have been worrying about, food, clothing, 
and so forth, they'll be added to you. Even those physical needs will be satisfied. We don't have to worry about these things like unbelievers do, like those who are not seeking righteousness. God will care for his people physically and spiritually. We can trust that. If we are seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Let's think about some, some application before we close. I would like you to fill in the blank up on, on the screen. Whenever you consider the idea of what satisfies you, how would you fill in that blank? If only I had blank, I would be satisfied. Now, I don't, I don't know how you personally would answer that question, but sometimes that question can be challenging, sobering for us. And it may be that what you fill in that blank with is what you truly hunger and thirst for. Maybe that thing that you truly crave after. There's only one thing that truly satisfies. One thing. And that is the Lord. That is his, his righteousness. If we are truly seeking those things, yeah, there were won't be those times where we just feel spiritually that we're not satisfied, that we're, we're empty. Now it is sad when those who claim to be kingdom citizens have a greater hunger for the things in this life and for the things of God. And often when something feels amiss even in their spiritual lives, it's sad that they turn to other things to fill the void instead of the Lord. Turn to things that the world hungers for, seeks after prosperity, popularity, power, pleasure, things like that. And they think that those things will satisfy, that those things will fill the void. But they never will fully fill that void. Something will always feel missing because we are hungering and thirsting for the wrong things. If we have this, this feeling of emptiness in us spiritually, there is a good chance in our lives that something is amiss. That we're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness like we should. We may be neglecting things that the Lord wants us to do even. You know, Solomon understood what truly satisfies, and he understood what left you empty, what was ultimately worthless to seek after in this life. And the book of Ecclesiastes, I think, just shows that so powerfully. He perf Solomon performed this experiment, tried to find that satisfaction and purpose in life through really any physical means that he possibly could under, this, under the sun. Filled the void, tried to fill that void as many people in this world do. And chapter 2, I think, gives us a lot of good examples of that. Trying to fill the void with wealth, with building projects, with entertainment, sexual fulfillment, wine, 
tried to seek worldly knowledge and wisdom, thinking that would be what satisfied him. But all through that experiment, all he really saw was the void got bigger and bigger. Vanity of vanities was his conclusion. All this vanity, all, all this stuff that I'm seeking after and, and trying to pursue for true meaning and satisfaction in life, he says it's like grasping for the wind. Just grasping for the wind. And what do you have when you open up your hand after thinking you caught the wind? Nothing. But his conclusion was that it's just good to enjoy those things that the Lord gives us in life especially doing those things with wisdom. There's only one thing that truly satisfies, and that is seeking the Lord, fearing Him, obeying His commandments. That was his conclusion. That void within, the, the emptiness can only be satisfied by the Lord. There's nothing else worth pursuing to, to fill it. So what do we need to do? Whenever there are those times, or maybe it's that way for you today, that you just right now just feel like something is amiss, that something is not right in your spiritual life. Maybe that you don't feel that you have the, the hunger and thirst that Jesus is talking about for righteousness. What do you need to do? Begin today. Seeking. Begin today. Pursuing righteousness. Pursuing God relationship with him and making it your life's goal in everything you do to be pleasing to him because if you and I are not hungering and thirsting for for righteousness there is a problem hunger and thirst are a sign that life is present within us that's definitely true physically if, if I didn't never felt my stomach rumble during the day I would seriously be concerned if that went on for a long period of time, everyone else would surely be concerned. There'd be a big problem. The same is true for us spiritually. Kingdom citizens are hungry. Kingdom citizens display that hunger by seeking after the Lord and practicing righteousness. If you have truly, as, as Peter says, tasted that the Lord is good. And what else do you want to feed upon? What else could you desire to feed upon? Nothing compares to, to what he gives. And that's what we need to seek as his people, because that truly will satisfy. So I just, just leave you with, with this. If you don't have this hunger and thirst that Jesus is talking about, I know we've all felt that, that emptiness. We've all felt like something is not going well in our spiritual life, that we're just not seeking the Lord as, as we need to. If you feel that way today, I would encourage you, reach out. Seek the help of, of God's people here today. Today is a good day to learn how to make changes, to learn how to, to make things right so that you can Leave the company of God's people today knowing that you are on the direction that you need to be to the Lord on your way to Him. Would you pray with me? 
our great God and Father in heaven. Father, we thank you for, for your word. Father, it's so sobering to us to, to see such a, a high calling that you call your, your kingdom citizens to. To have this intense craving and, and, and starvation, really, too, for you. Father, so often it can be the case that in our, our lives, since, uh, since we are in this world, that we may think that whenever we feel emptiness inside, that it can be filled with the things of this world. So often we may forget about the true satisfaction that comes by getting into your word, seeking you within its pages, and applying it so we can draw closer to you. Father, we forget that those kinds of things and, and the things we do to, to show our love for you is truly what brings purpose and meaning to our lives. And, and truly fills us. Father, we pray as we go out into this, this world today, throughout the rest of this week, that we would truly seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. No matter what we may be doing in this life physically, help us to, to make a difference for you, to live for you, to help others live for you, to help others hunger and thirst for righteousness so that they and we can all be with you in, in glory, but also bring glory to you in the things we do in this life. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.